Hello, everyone, and welcome back to This is Berthoud. I am Amy, your local librarian, and this is the show where I get to talk about all of the things that you are talking about so that together we have something new to think about. I have yet another guest with me today. It's a good day to be doing a podcast. So would you like to introduce yourself today? Yeah, yeah my name is Paul Furness. I'm the uh, town forester of Berthoud. I've been working for the town of Berthoud for about uh, a little over 16 months now. I've been the town forester for about a year now. So. Awesome. Most people probably don't know we have a town forester. So what exactly is your role in this community? Well, actually, my, my position is town forester and uh, open space manager. So mm -hmm. I, I also manage the open spaces here in town. But the forestry part of my job really just entails maintaining our urban forest. So that means a lot of scheduled maintenance on all of our trees. That includes pruning, removals, treatments, and plantings. I just kind of work with uh, contractors to get large projects done because we're a small crew. Uh, we only have two people. So a lot of it is scheduling out uh, and working with contractors. I also maintain Berthoud's Tree City USA recognition. It's super exciting. This is our 40th year Ooh. as Tree City USA. Kind of, kind of a big milestone. It was my first year doing it, so kind of a cool benchmark year. Berthoud's, if I could go off on a little tangent here. Sure. <laughs> um, Tree City USA, at least in Colorado, hasn't been going on that long, or at least if you go on their website, you can see the stats for a lot of towns, and Berthoud is kind of up there. They've been uh, Tree City USA for, they're, upper, they're in the upper 13% of uh, towns in Colorado that are have celebrated the longest. So it's it's actually pretty cool that such a small town has got such a long legacy as a Tree City USA. It's up there with towns like Fort Collins, keeping that going strong. It's a great program. And I think it's a, a great thing for a town, at least, you know, coming from a forester. <laughs> sure. I don't know if anyone else notices. Sure. But, uh, I, th I think other people probably at least see the signs yeah. and think, what does that mean? So while we're on it, what exactly is a tree city? Yeah, so uh, a town needs to have four requirements met to be recognized as a tree city USA through the Arbor Day Foundation. The first one is they need to have a tree-related ordinance in effect 24-7. Mm -hmm. And so we have two ordinances here in town that are in effect. You know, it doesn't say what scope or scale, <laughs> okay. you know, how big or how small they are. So um, they're, they're street tree work permits. You know, if anyone's working on a tree located in the right of way, they have to let me know. And then the other one's a little more basic, and it just it basically states my position. Uh, there will be a town forester appointed. So, you know, kind of. Cool. Just, yeah. That works. <laughs> um, the next one is the town must spend at least $2 per capita on tree-related activities. So that that's basically my budget. And we we excel through that. I, uh, bet. I mean, I think it's like it's not two dollars per capita; it's something like thirteen dollars per capita. So it, that's also pretty awesome. You know, the town's not just meeting a bare minimum just to you know check off something on the list. We really do care about our trees here. The other one is maintain a tree board. Mm -hmm. So we have a tree advisory committee here in town. It's made up of seven seats, and it's kind of just a committee of townsfolk that have varying uh, expertise that they come in and advise me on issues I need advice on. Sure. And then the last one is celebrating and recognizing Arbor Day here in town. We kind of officially here in town sign a proclamation every year recognizing a day in April kind of around Arbor Day, Earth Day as Berthoud's official Arbor Day. Cool. And so 
signed by the mayor. It's all very official. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It, uh, another big thing for me. And yeah, so those are the four requirements. And if I could go a little above and beyond there, another cool thing about this program is there's these things called growth awards. Just the Tree City USA is just the bare minimum. These things called growth awards, uh, you have to meet 10 points and it's got hundreds of these uh, activities and tools and all this stuff you can start implementing in your town to earn points and on their like scoreboard. And all you need is 10 points. I think we're up to 13 years as a growth award. Awesome. <laughs> um, I think the last four years consecutively this year, we'll also be getting a growth award. I just state that because, um, it, it, you know, it doesn't go on the sign or anything. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's kind of like a little, you know, tag along to Tree City USA. But it's really cool because it's a, it, when I look at that checklist, it's like a really cool tool, toolbox that uh, town foresters can tap into and find tools they didn't even know existed or find some way to connect with the community more or scientifically measure their urban forest in a different way and stuff. So it, I just think that's kind of me geeking out about it. That's it awesome. It's really cool. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Yeah, that's enough about Tree City. <laughs> <laughs> it's big on my mind because it's, you know, the month of Arbor Day. It so, is, in yeah, fact. Yes. It's, it's been... Little, little stressful this month, all the Tree City USA stuff. Understood, understood. Yeah. So when you're talking about Berthet's Urban Forest, mm -hmm. how many trees are we talking about? We've got a cool little uh, tree inventory that's available to the public. It's called CoTreeViewed, just C-O-TreeView.com, I think. Com or org. We'll go it, find it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's on our website, uh, the town website. We have all of our town trees inventoried everything that's within the right-of-way and in our public parks and all that. Mm -hmm. And right now we are at 8,754 data points. Berthids grow in on the outsides, and so there's always new blocks and hundreds of trees getting it entered in. So that is kind of our most up-to-date figure on it. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's difficult for me as a homeowner and as the person managing the library property to maintain the five trees that are in my responsibility. I can't imagine nearly 9,000, so that's exciting. And it makes me understand why we're spending more than $2 per capita to try to maintain all of these trees. Mm -hmm. uh, the the co-tree view is a, a very cool tool. It's, it's only for Colorado towns, and it's not just towns, actually. Sometimes, like, HOAs can have, mm -hmm. like, their own little tree view thing, which is pretty cool, but it's quite humbling to, like, click on Denver or like Boulder or something, <laughs> and they've sure. got like 36,000 trees, and you're like, okay, well, we're doing what we're we doing great. <laughs> yeah, we're exactly. doing great. I mean, I, I feel like we, we cover a lot of our trees, but still a small town, so sure. it, it's fun to click in on those towns and be like, sure. wow. You know. So can I ask you, what got you personally into all of this? I've always had an interest in horticulture, whether I knew it or not. Well, I've grown up here, so I'll just say I lived in Loveland. So when I got out of high school, I went to Front Range Community College in Fort Collins for an associate of science. And at the time, I was working at a greenhouse, a local greenhouse in Fort Collins called Goalies. And it was just magical. I, I mean, every single day never felt like a day of work. It, it was just my calling you know, 14 hours a day in rainy or 100 degree weather right. didn't even phase me because I got to work around really cool people and plants and all that. And so I went to CSU and started my hort degree. In between there, I was always working like miscellaneous horticulture, grounds maintenance jobs. 
So I just always had my hands in the dirt, basically. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I, I loved it. Wouldn't have had it any other way. From there, I worked at kind of local. It's down in Longmont, but I worked for a trees care company called Blue River. And I actually got some experience being a plant healthcare technician, mm. injecting trees to protect against emerald ash borer, primarily down in Longmont and Boulder. And so that was kind of my foot into tree stuff. With the the foot in the door at the forestry position, it really kind of, you know, made me look at trees a second time. From there, I went to Thompson School District. There, I got the opportunity to train and get my ISA certification, the International Society of Arboriculture. From there, I saw a forestry tech position here in Berthoud and applied for it. And with my certification and my um, background, I got hired on. Our last forester, Josh Embry, was the one who mm -hmm. hired me on. I only got to work with him a couple months, and he kind of headed out the door and hit the trail and moved, <laughs> on, to, <laughs> and moved on to something better. So I was the next in line and kind of moved into the town forester position after that. You maintained the town's 9,000 trees, but mm -hmm. there are obviously more than 9,000 trees in the Berthick community because people have to maintain their own. Let's start with, if you want to grow a really healthy tree in Berthoud, what are some best practices that you can give people for planting a brand new one? Always start with research. Don't just go down to the, your local nursery and, you know, buy something on sale or let them sell you on something because, you know, they're going to sell you something expensive that probably doesn't work well or something like that. But do your research and see if the, you know, expensive tree is going to work for you or, or if it's going to work for your microclimate in your backyard or front yard or something like that. There's a lot of material out there. I would definitely refer to CSU extension info. CSU's got just great extension articles about trees, really anything, but they have a lot of stuff about trees. I would always refer to that. I personally refer to that, you know, <laughs> yep. you'll come across a lot of like, you know, little homeowner blogs and stuff. And while they're probably based on CSU or, or some kind of peer reviewed subject matter, I always just always go back to the source. Go basically. The source. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, or you could always reach out to me if you're if you live in Berthoud. It's kind of one of the favorite parts of my job. I, I don't get a lot of time for it, but if I can fit it in, I love to give homeowners recommendations and come out and see their site. We have a saying is just the right tree in the right place. So you don't want to plant something that likes shade and or it's just going to be beat down with yeah. sun constantly. Or, you know, you have really wet soil in your backyard and you plant something that like really wants it dry. You got to you got to do a little bit of research. The next thing is always water considerations here in Berthoud or just Colorado in general. Water is huge. You know, sometimes we think the sprinklers or the, you know, we got a lot of rain last month. The tree will be fine. Trees always need more water than Colorado can offer them. The tree will not be fine. Got <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> well, you know, we see trees and they're always green every year, especially out in areas that's like no one's maintaining it and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But we don't, we don't consider that that tree might be pretty stressed. Sure. So just because it looks green and it, it you know, keeps leafing out every year, it could be kind of in like a you know, mm -hmm. slow decline. But uh, the best thing we can do is just, uh, again, do your research. A general rule of thumb for watering is per inch diameter of tree, you need about 10 gallons of water per two weeks. That, that's wow. a really general rule of thumb. Sure. Some trees are more thirsty and some trees, you know, like it on the dry side. But that's that's kind of like the nice medium for everything. 
on a small tree, it makes sense. It's kind of easy, you know, a two inch diameter tree, 20, or like 40 gallons per two weeks. That's not too hard. Right. But you start to consider some of the bigger trees downtown where we get into 30 inches, 40 <laughs> inches, you know, 300 gallons every two weeks. And it, it's still doable, but. Yeah, I'm picturing some of the ones at Fickle Park, for example, and thinking, oh, wow, if I really start to calculate how much water those trees need just to, to be healthy. Yep. That's that's quite a bit. Yes. And those are just ash trees, for example. Those are kind of like medium water requirements. Okay. I mean, if you take into effect like a cottonwood, those just <laughs> suck up water. It's that's why you see them next to ditches and stuff. They they literally just suck up so much water every day in the full summer full summer sun. So and then another thing with watering is you want to make sure you're watering in the right place. What we call the drip line on a tree is like if you were to walk underneath the canopy and kind of where the canopy would end right above you, mm-hmm. you're standing on the drip line. Okay. And so you want to water right around that imaginary circle drip line on the tree because that's where the tree's most active roots are. Um, a lot of people think, oh, just right around the, the trunk of the tree, you know, that's that's where I'm going to hit the Surely roots. Surely there's roots down there. And, right. and you're not wrong, but um, <laughs> especially on larger trees, those roots have become structural roots. Mm -hmm. And so they're very much like the trunk you're seeing. They're very woody and barky. And what they're doing is they're actually just structural. They're they're making sure that tree doesn't blow over in the wind. Where the drip line is, is where the the fine, like little tender roots are that are absorbing nutrients and water. And that's where you want to be delivering water. Actually, if you're watering near the base of the tree, you're you're constantly keeping those structural roots moist and it, it actually can be kind of bad. It leads to rot. Which makes a lot of sense if you think about how a tree is shaped and if it's not getting artificially watered and it's getting rain, mm-hmm. it's not getting as much rain near the trunk. So that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense that yeah. it would be more along that that mm-hmm. exterior of the, of the canopy mm-hmm. would be the spot where the water is doing the most good. Yep. Actually, probably some of the roots would probably even extend past that. Even so, so get it's, some of that rain when we get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say you know if you got just like an overhead sprinkler, putting it on that line, so it goes in, goes out of that drip line, that'd be perfect. Great. Especially for new trees, you always want to consider pruning. Uh, one funny thing I always see is even on homeowners that you can tell they knew what they were doing when they were pruning a tree. It, the good pruning practices always usually end about at a ladder height, <laughs> you know, because I can't blame them. You know, That's no one where it, you can reach. Yeah, right? exactly. Sure. No one really has access to like a bucket truck or like ropes or anything like that to climb their tree to prune it or anything like that. So it's funny. I'll I'll see like a really nice maintained yard, and I could tell a horticulturist or it's somebody who knows about plants lives there, and their tree's just like perfect to like 14 feet up, <laughs> and then it just it's all. It all kind of goes out the window. <laughs> you want to make sure you're pruning your tree, at least what you can reach, you know, at least when it's young and you can reach it and you can maintain it. Definitely consider pruning. I'd say the biggest thing, uh, pruning is huge. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it. Uh, we could do like a two-hour podcast on just pruning considerations. But you want to prune low branches that you know are going to interfere before it's too late. Mm. They're called temporary branches. And, and really, like anything under two inches in diameter, you want to really consider it as a temporary branch. It's got a finite lifespan. Maybe right now when it's young, you're, you kind of hit it when you're walking by with the mower. It's in your face. Well, that, that branch is only going to get bigger. It's only going to get stronger mm. and all that. And after they grow so big uh, and you, you, know, you finally get fed up with whacking your head on it, walking by with the mower, 
Um, you go to cut it off, but the wound you're leaving is too big to heal. So it, it'll never properly heal. You've exposed heartwood of the tree, which is a channel for rot to get into the, the structural core of the tree. And we see it all too much, even on our town trees. You know, it, it's, a, it's a very delicate balancing act. I, I'm not trying to say that to discourage anybody. Like, <laughs> it's really hard. But what we do is we pick a branch that's about eight feet up in the tree. And we say, this is going to be our first permanent branch. Mm. And anything below that, you want to kind of keep in check. It doesn't mean just go off and snip them up. You know, <laughs> if you got like a nine foot tree and you trim everything up to eight feet, you're <laughs> That's just going to look silly. Yeah. yeah and and it, well, and the low branches on a, on a young tree are still doing work for the tree. You still want them to be there to help the tree grow. But over time, when that tree, you know, becomes a 13 foot tree and those little branches down at six feet are kind of like tucked underneath it, you can definitely start to trim those off. Especially, I say this as a town forester, you got to consider, especially if it's near infrastructure, mm. it's going towards the sidewalk or maybe it's going over the road. The town code states that uh, branches must be eight feet above sidewalks and 14 feet above the road. So it's just better to not let that branch get huge. Right. Prune it before it gets that big. And, and and before we, you know, somebody calls code enforcement on you for yeah. having a tree branch that's hanging over yeah. the sidewalk or the street when it shouldn't be. And mm -hmm. yeah, so better for the tree, better for pedestrians and, mm -hmm. and everything like that. And it's always just easier to deal with when they're smaller, you know. Sure. If you're talking like a five-inch branch that's hanging over the road now, like you're probably going to need to call somebody and it's going to be a bigger deal than if you just kind of dealt with it back in the day. A little earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you Got could it. have just thrown it in your little uh, rubbish bin. And, and called it, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good. I guess one more thing. You know, some trees have got predators here in town. I, we can get into EAB later, but really people should not be planting new ash trees here in town. Right. But other stuff like maples, people... I think that they can keep silver maples alive with uh, iron treatments or something like that. Just, I don't know. Just pick a tree that's going to like it here. It's going to be healthy and, you know, you're going to have a good tree. Sure. Something you're not, that's not constantly being a money sink. So let me ask you, are there any particular trees that you think, ah, oh, we should have more of these here in Burford? <laughs> I'm sure there are. <laughs> I get this question a lot. Um, honestly, what I tell people when, because the list is so exhaustive and sure. you, you can pick from so many, like drive around town and uh, like literally shop around, look at a tree that's doing really well around town. Now I know, you know, not everybody might have the tree ID experience, but uh, right. maybe you could reach out to the homeowner get a picture of the leaves. They have apps nowadays where you can like, you know, yeah. take a picture of what the leaves. What is this? <laughs> yep. And they're, they're pretty close. Sometimes they spit out some weird <laughs> things, but... You, yeah, just shop around, you know, like, oh, that's a great looking tree and it flowers in the spring. I love that. Find out what kind of tree that is and just go find it at your local nursery. Sure. Any specific varieties, though, I mean, just personally, honey locusts are pretty good here and they kind of drop those annoying brown seed pods. And actually, if, if you're going to plant one as a, as a street tree, we ask that you buy a, a podless variety. Mm. They're out there. Ask for a podless variety. The town says it's got to be podless. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> oh, you can plant one on your backyard for all, you know, sure. do whatever you want there. But um, if it's a street tree, uh, we ask that you plant a podless one. And when they're podless, they're really, they're great trees. Mm -hmm. They just have those tiny little leaflets. Um, they're really nice, nice filtered sun through, throughout them. And they grow pretty good here in town. And then the other thing, and this, this takes a lot of patience on the homeowner, but oaks. 
oaks are just, they're so good. <laughs> so good. Enough said, right? Yeah, just, yeah, just oaks, period. They are slow mm-hmm. and they're not rewarding. But man, some of our oaks that have been taken care of are just, if you've got the patience, they just come out of the box and they, they're just ready to develop perfectly. Asterix that uh, every tree sure. has something that could happen <laughs> to it, but um, they don't really have any crazy pests here. They're really tolerant of the dry cycles and the wet cycles that we have in town. And once they're established, they are just tenacious. They nothing really slows them down. Well, they're already slow, but you know, <laughs> but nothing stops them. Nothing stops them exactly. And yeah, they're just they're great trees. So, how about for people who are caring for their older or their established trees? What should they be doing in order to maintain the health of their trees? Keep it up on the watering. Water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of people, you know, not to knock any anybody here, but they're like, I hate lawns and, you know, I'm not going to water my lawn. I just want it to die. I, I hate mowing and all that stuff. But they've got a tree in the middle of it. Mm. And so um, watering is huge on older trees. Um, again, we talked about how much water it takes yeah. and you know, if you stop watering a tree, it's just going to get, it's going to start abandoning branches and then you're going to strike these big dead branches and big swaths of dead stuff in your tree. And it's just going to be in decline, probably hanging over your house or your driveway or your neighbor's property Neighbors, yeah. and a huge liability issue. And that kind of runs into what else I'd like to say about older trees is just uh, pruning considerations. Mm-hmm. I think we get a branch down in our yard every now and then something we can put in our you know yard bin. But some of those bigger branches, from picking them up and putting them into trucks and like sure. cutting them up, those branches could easily break off in a windstorm or a snowstorm. And consider what's right below them. If it's your house, your driveway, the sidewalk, the city street, your car, your car, exactly, <laughs> your neighbor's car, all that stuff, you should really think about periodic pruning. I'd say about every, you know, three to five years on a mature tree, um, just to keep it in check. Or if anything big comes up. Mm. We also talked about it clearance. You know, if, if a branch is impeding over the road, it's constantly in danger. Uh, unfortunately, we see it all the time on Main Street. We do. Um, a lot of those trees have not been limbed up properly. Mm-hmm. So we, I mean, it's almost like every month we're dealing with a new broken branch on them. It's kind of our bad because <laughs> we haven't trimmed them up, but they're not right. that size yet. You know, they're not huge trees yet. So, you know, they actually are pretty close to code for being like 14 feet over the road. Mm-hmm. But I guess there's always an, a bigger delivery truck sure. that comes by <laughs> and swipes a branch. And then you've got a really bad wound on a tree right. that's can sometimes be really hard to correct. And, and when, with those thinning and pruning considerations, you have to consider that the, the older the tree is, the slower it heals those wounds. On a young tree, we cut one or two branches off. It's very young, vigorous. It'll probably heal those wounds relatively fast. On older trees, you know, you consider you go through with a pruning job, you're talking like 100 wounds that this slower tree is trying to heal. Mm. And so it it can be a little more stressful to where it. That's why I say like three to five years, you kind of give it like some reset time to kind of like level out <laughs> and then reestablish, you know, and, and figure out what it's doing after five years. <laughs> now, and, how am I going to grow? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, just something to take into um, take into consideration. Is there a best time of year to prune? Is that something that should be done anytime you notice that it needs to be done? Or are there, are there recommendations that you have for that? 
dead and disease branches, you know, anything that's obviously doesn't have leaves in the dead of summer, those can be pruned out anytime. Light pruning on a tree, less than 10% of the crown, uh, can kind of be done anytime. Just a little bit of like maintenance. Again, for clearance, this branch is like touching my window or like this, you know, it's in, in front of my door or something like that. That can kind of be done anytime. There's a lot of considerations with pruning. Yeah. I could literally do a two-hour podcast about it. <laughs> you know, this species, okay, this is what you want to, you know, all this stuff. So I have an asterisk right there, depending on your tree. Got it. A Kind of a broad <laughs> rule of thumb is fruit trees, lay off of them in the spring. It's actually because there's a lot of diseases that affect them huh. in the spring. These diseases are airborne. And when you make these fresh cuts, the disease is allowed to enter basically sure. a, a, a wound channel and get inside your tree, which can be more detrimental to your tree right. in the long run. Really uh, good pruning time is actually in the winter. Again, kind of going back to diseases in the winter, most of that stuff is settled out. They're not propagating. They're not flying in the wind so much. It's cold outside. Uh, the diseases have kind of been gone dormant for the year. So in the winter, a, your tree's not like ex exuding or moving sap, which is what these things need. The diseases aren't present. So you've kind of knocked out two things. And when your tree just emerges in this uh, spring, it'll just kind of pick up the healing where it left off last year. Another consideration is just avoid pruning drought stress trees. Mm. Again, that's kind of hard to tell what's a drought stress tree, but if you know if you're not watering your lawn or something, or don't be pruning the tree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, think of them as really on their last leg, mm -hmm. and we all know trees store energy, and in, whether it's in their roots or in their wood, or they they have a ton of stored energy in their whole mass, but. If they're in a period of drought stress, they are actually pulling from that stored energy constantly. And if you start taking away branches where it has stored energy, you are just like hitting that tree while it's down. You know, you're not doing it any favors. I get questions a lot about uh, fertilizing trees. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, should we do anything to fertilize our tree? Again, because most of these trees are in like turf areas. I say if you're if you just do like a spring application of lawn fertilizer, that's probably enough. I, the, the other nice thing about lawn fertilizer is you're spreading it all over. It's kind of hard to target exactly where the tree's going to need with like <laughs> right. specific tree fertilizer. And all fertilizers are essentially the same anyway. So if you, yeah, if you do lawn fertilizer, it's enough. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not saying like go off the label and be like, I'm going to double down, right. you know, a little right. bit for the lawn, a little bit for the tree. No one's going to be happy in that situation. So just, you know, if you're just doing a little bit every year, that's fine. They're not houseplants. They generally can actually fend for themselves nutrient-wise. Right. We don't want to overfeed them or, you know, start putting too much fertilizer and chemical into our soils. So, you know, if you're just doing it for your lawn, just keep it up. So is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners that I haven't asked you yet? For people with a street tree, mm -hmm. so a tree in between their sidewalk and the road, you mm -hmm. know, that little right-of-way strip, if you have a street tree uh, here in town, one of our ordinances is that we have a street tree work permit application. You know, a lot of people think of it as like some next speed bump in the way, like the town's just trying to stick their hands in everything. It's it's nothing like that. It's literally a, well, now it's just a online thing. And all it is is just saying what you're going to be doing to your tree. And that just comes back to me to give me a heads up. 
And that kind of, I'm not going to step in and be like, whoa, I'm going to supervise this pruning that you have scheduled, nothing like that. But again, it just gives me a heads up. And really all I'm looking for with those is that people aren't just like going to remove all of their 30 inch ash on their property because they hate raking up leaves and be like, hold on a second. We can (laughs) talk about this. Take a step back. Sure. You know, most stuff I trust that you are going to do the right thing for your tree. You've done your research and you're going to call the right people. But I, yeah, it's really to make sure people aren't doing anything absolutely absurd to their tree, to our beautiful street trees. So um, I'm not trying to. Which are part of the 9,000 that you're charged with maintaining, correct? So yeah, exactly. It's for prunings, treatments, uh, plantings, and removals. Awesome. So definitely plantings. I'll look for anything that's on our prohibited list or anything that I know particularly won't do well. So you have a lot of information on your website, including mm-hmm. that prohibited tree list, and you've got you have recommended trees, or you've got links and mm-hmm. and everything. All of that is on the town's website, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, Bertha.org/forestry. Thank you so much for being here and for being willing to talk through all of this information with us. We really appreciate that. Everybody, if you're listening and you have any questions, you can always get in touch with Paul at the town. Or if you don't want to for some reason, you can check with us at the library and we will get you to the right people. Look for information from the Extension Office also because we know that they also care greatly about the trees in our area. So there's lots of resources for you to learn what you need to know. If you have any questions, you can email me at podcast.bcld at gmail.com, or you can always call the library at 970-532-2757. Thank you again for listening, and as always, I am proud to say this is Berthed.